Today, I have a question for the church and for those watching. I want to know, is he really though? The Bible is always telling us in scripture and stories that God should be number one. You should put God first. The Bible has a necessity to it that you put God first in your life. We put God first in the church. You put God first in your marriage. You put God first in how you treat people. You put God first in the world. Some people put God first in every decision they make, and that's a good thing. But we often go around telling others that God is our number one or that he's the number one. God is my king. God is my savior. But the question today is, is he really, though? Because we can oftentimes forget that we can move him. And we, we oftentimes get wrapped up in the world and we start to devalidate that truth that he is your number one. And we're responsible for that. And so I want to have you guys look because it's not something you're going to get right 100% of the time. So I want you guys to look into some things and kind of be monitoring throughout your life. Is he really though? Because when you find that God is not your number one, that is a key problem to your life. A lot of your issues may be derived from the fact that you have placed money over God or that you have placed your own health or your own entertainment over God. So these are some things today that I want to go over that are, I feel like some of the more obvious signs that maybe he really isn't your number one right now. Now, I have to ask, first of all, does everybody understand the concept of God really being number one and what that truly means? And I want you to be measuring that while you're listening to this sermon, because if you don't really understand what God being number one in your life is, there's a starting point. You have to really understand what that truly means before you can try to keep him in the first place. So for me, before we get started on these points and we, before we get going on how you can recognize that maybe God isn't your number one, I want you to know a way for you to identify God as number one and what that truly means is this. You don't think about yourself and you think about others. And amongst those others that you think about, you think about the spirit within you. You don't think about the flesh. You don't think about your mind. You don't think about your own satisfaction. And you think about what would God want me to do? What would Jesus do? What would be good for my friends and family for me to do, for me to be? So when you really have God first in your life, it is evident because you are last in your own heart. But the key element of that for, for our marriage to God is like a real true marriage. When I put myself behind my wife and behind my kids, my wife does a better job putting me first than I could ever do putting me first. So when you make space for God to treat you like you're his number one, you will be outdone every single time. So here's an element for you to look at. Do you pray but not praise? Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is a sandwich of a scripture. The meat of that sandwich is to pray, and the meat of faith is to pray. But the bread that makes the sandwich is for you to be rejoicing and being thankful. That is the bread that formulates this scripture. It says rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, you have to understand when you are in a prayer walk with Christ, 
You need to be praising him just as much as you're asking from him. And when that balance is not even, that's a sign he may not be number one. Because when you're going to God over and over again and you're only ever asking him for stuff, that's a sign that you might be your number one. Because if God was truly your number one and you got in his presence, just like Pastor said before we started, you wouldn't be able to do anything but praise him. Sometimes I intend to go to God and ask for things and I get lost in praising him and I have to go back into prayer because I forgot to ask what I was going to ask for in the first place. And you have to have that understanding in your heart that when you pray, you have to praise. And if you don't do that, you might be like loosening a channel in your life for problems to come. When you have God first, you put him before your blessings and you don't need blessings to praise him. You don't only praise God. See, it's not good enough. I know some people will hear this and say, well, last week God did this for me and I told him thank you. But did you tell him thank you before that? Did you praise him before the miracles came? Were you praising him before he solved all of your issues? Because it's easy to say thank you to somebody who did something for you. It's easy to praise someone who did something for you. And here's a fact about Christianity. If you're only praising God when he's blessing you, you're praising the blessings, not the God. And that is a huge problem for you. And that is a way you can understand he's really not number one, though, in your heart. You go to the ATM for a deposit and you don't say thank you. You go in, you drive by, you put your card in, you get the receipt, you board it, you know, pile it up and you throw it in the bottom of your car and a bunch of them stack up eventually. And you never say thank you. We can't treat God that way. You don't drive into a prayer walk with God, slide your prayer card, type in your pin code, tell God what you need, get your receipt for it, and then throw it away. Yeah. You, you don't do that with God. And for parents, here's another element of that is you, we don't let our children get away with asking for things and then not saying thank you. When your kids ask for something from someone, oftentimes you're like, whoa, whoa don't ask for that. It's going to make you look like you don't have anything. That's the thing parents do all the time. When your kids go over to their friend's house and like, hey, can I have some cookies? You think maybe their parents will think I'm not giving my kids food. So you even stop them from asking. But when you're in a spiritual walk with Christ, you've got to like relate it to your life. And here's a relation for you. Your children couldn't get away with that. So why are you letting your spirit get away with it? If you make your kids say thank you when someone gives them something, why don't you make your spirit say thank you when Christ comes through for you? Why don't you make your spirit say something when Christ does for you, when God does for you? And the, here, the, the key element in all of faith is he's already done something for you. You might be praying for blessings. You might be praying for answers. And you may not have been getting them yet, but that doesn't mean he hasn't already done for you. Because, hello, I'm not headed to hell for my sins. And that's good enough for me to say thank you. And I need to say thank you for that every day. So if I ask for a new car and a new job and I haven't got it yet, I still got things to be thankful for. And you have to be thankful for them first. And here you have to go into your prayer ready to praise him. The second point, do you get and not give? Ooh, it sounds a little like the last point, but I can promise you it's not. Go to Proverbs 18, 16. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. 
Over and over again, I have young Christians coming to me and asking, how do I get in the presence of God? What do I do to find myself with an audience and God? Here's what you do. Give. This scripture doesn't identify what you have to give. But what I can tell you is there are so many things that you can offer. Give him something. Give him his praise, the praise that he's due. Give him offering and tithes. Give him your time. Give him worship. Give him your body. Give him your destiny, your emotions. Give him your decisions. Give him your finances. Just give to him and you will have audience with him. But if you're giving if you're getting and you're not ever really giving in return, God's not number one for you. Because when you have God seated at the throne in your heart, you can't help but to give. Because when you get closer to God, you start acting more and more like him. And you can't have any proximity to God and not be a giver. If you're even within the zip code of God, you're going to be a giver. Because God is such a giver that if you're going to even try to emulate him, you've got to start by giving first. And we get up here and we say, you can't outgive God. And that's true. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't give at all. Like we say it all the time. Well, you're never going to be able to outgive God. It's not a competition. Because God wins those competitions every single time. But what I can tell you is when you get competitive with God, you win too. There isn't just one winner. When you're trying to compete with God's giving, you win because God is going to compete with you. And when you raise your level, he's raising his level. And when he raises his level, he's going to continue to elevate you. He might elevate your finances. He might elevate your health. But he is going to elevate you just because you're trying to compete with that giving with him. Try to enter into a healthy competition with God. When God blesses you, think to yourself, well, who can I bless now? God gave me a gift of finance. Well, who can I bless with that gift of finance? I needed $500 for my electricity bill, and God provided me with 1000 so I've got an extra 500 My neighbor probably has the same electricity bill as I do, so maybe you can out-give your neighbor. That's fine. I want all of us in this church to try to be out-giving each other. Let's not be braggadocious about it, but I want everybody in this church, everybody online who's listening to Austin Alive, I want us to constantly be trying to be out-giving one another because when we do that, you are going to change the world around you. And when you, you know you've got a need with God, you got to do two things. When God blesses you and you've gone to prayer and you have praised him, there are two things you have to do when you get a blessing from God. Be thankful and be fruitful. When God gives you that health, don't use it to just sit back down. When God gives you those finances, don't waste them. When God heals your marriage, don't just let it get back to where it was. When God blesses you, you've got to thank him and be fruitful with it because he's giving you something. And I can tell you a secret. I'm up here today and I've not been worthy of one singular thing Christ and God has ever given me. So when I get from God, I feel such a responsibility to do something with it because I feel like if I get from God, I'm already not deserving. But if I get from God and then I'm not fruitful with it, well, I just wasted the gift, and I'm not going to waste God's gift. So ask yourself, is he really, though? Am I trying to be a giver, or am I trying to just get? 
And an element of Christianity is I see things as channels for God to walk through. When you know your need, you know a channel that you can enter with with God. If you have a need of finances, there's your channel. Bless someone with your finances. Give God your finances. Give. If you have a need of finance, give to God your finances. If you have a need of health, give to God your health. If you have a need of spiritual healing and cleansing, give to God your spirit. And how do you do these things? You can tithe. You can read scripture. You can sacrifice time. You can take that show and instead of watching 18 episodes of it, you can watch five and then give some time to the scripture and your health. You may not be able to be healed from surgery and then go build an ark and survive a flood. But what you can do is bake some cookies for your neighbor, go to the store, go over and visit somebody, buy something for someone, do something for someone, get on Facebook and share or write something positive. That's giving. And when you open that channel, that is the channel God is going to walk back into your life through. So when you have an issue of finance, give to God. And he's going to walk down that same channel you opened. And just like we talked about, he's going to walk down competitively and he is going to outgive you. So that's why I recommend you do this because if you have a need of health, let God outgive you. Give your health to him and he'll give it back to you tenfold. And lastly, the last point, this is the one... To me, that is the most obvious. Does church entertain you but not edify you? Go to 1 Peter 2, 2 through 3. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted, the Lord is good. That scripture is telling you how to behave. Get a craving. Any new mom will tell you. Every four hours, the baby gets up to drink. Every two hours, the baby gets up to drink. I'm running out of milk. I don't know what to do. My husband can't produce milk, and he doesn't know how to make a bottle of formula yet, so I don't know what I'm going to do. The baby's just craving, 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 and I don't have enough to give. The difference between newborn mothers and God is when you crave that much, God will always be able to provide, and he will never be tired of you asking for it. So go into this like a newborn baby. Go into your relationship. Go into church like a newborn child craving milk. When you walk through the doors of whatever church you're going through, walk into them hungry. When something is for entertainment, you do it when you feel like it. But if it's really truly for spiritual growth, you'll practice diligence. So if you find yourself skipping out on services, you don't watch when you can't make it, because we know, we live in the modern world. Some people work on Sundays. Some people don't have cars. Some bus routes don't make it here. But if you're at home and you've got your phone and you're already on Facebook and you're not even entertaining the idea of turning on the live stream every single church in America does now, you might be coming to church for entertainment and not for edification. And you need to fix that because when you're trying to entertain yourself, you're not entertaining God. And when you're making time for you, you're not making time for God. And you're sitting yourself at the throne. Every father I've ever known has a spot in the house that is theirs and no one sits in it. I have one. I've got my desktop right in front of it, my laptop right in front of there. The kids know don't even try to sit there. And if they do, they get told to move. You have to give that seat to God in your life. It doesn't matter if you don't like the praise and worship. The pastor may not be cool. You may not be able to be seen online. 
You may not be a part of this great big community. They may not have a youth group. They might not have a women's group. It's not for your entertainment. It's for your growth. And you come here to get that spiritual milk so you can grow. Babies don't go for milk for entertainment. They go for growth. They grow because there's a desire within them that's animalistic that they can't even grasp yet. You need to get your spirit that way. When I see the scripture saying like newborn babies, they don't even understand how hungry they really truly are. They couldn't put it into words. And if you can have the type of spiritual hunger that you're okay skipping meals, God's not first. And you've got to fix that. Service is for your growth, not your entertainment. And if you want to be entertained, we try our best to make things palatable to you. We try our best to be modern, refreshing. We try everything we can to make sure only the talented things happen in front of you. But if you want real, true entertainment, I'm going to tell you this. The movie theater has popcorn, and we don't. We can't compete with that. When church enters the realms of competition, we lose out. Church is not a competitive ground here. We're not trying to entertain you. We're not going to be the Super Bowl. You're going to have to miss sometimes the Cowboys playing. You're going to have to miss your team. You're going to have to miss your show. That lake trip you want to take with your friends, you're going to have to tell them, I'm going to be a couple hours late because I'm going to church first. There are going to be things in your life that you have to sacrifice to come to church, and you're not always going to be hee-hawing around here having a good time. Sometimes it is going to be difficult for you to do so. And I can tell you, every leader in this church will tell you, it has been difficult for us to do so sometimes. You're not alone in that. It's okay that sometimes you're not entertained by the idea of coming to church, but that's a sign that God is not number one for you because when you really have him at the throne, you want to praise him, you want to fellowship with people around him, you want to give to him, and there is only one place in all of the world you could do all of those things in one stop shop, and that is your local church. Amen. Spiritual growth will lead you to new heights, and bigger blessings, and a closer walk with God. So if you're coming here and you want anything other than that, I don't know what to tell you. We have great, great talent here. We have people who love genuinely. We do videos. Matt and I did a video sometime. I'm not Leonardo DiCaprio. I can't act that well. And, and Stephen Furtick might be more entertaining. They might have more lights. Some praise and worship bands have people who used to be rock stars in them. I don't know what to tell you. We can't compete on that ground. But when you get into your local church for edification, there is no competition. There is nothing the world can offer you that does what edification does in this church or in a local church in this country. There is nothing that will give you that. You can't go to the library. You can't watch a show. You can't turn on a YouTube clip. You can't go to Facebook or TikTok, nothing will do for you like church will do for you when you're trying to be edified. So in this sermon, I've been talking a lot about God. Is he really though? Is he really your first? And sometimes you have an issue with that. And I want you to understand you are going to have times in your life where you get it right and times in your life when you get it wrong. And I've heard sermons similar to this spoken before. But one thing I want to make sure you get from this is you don't get to dictate that God is number one. He is, and you're just failing to recognize it. The point of this sermon is not 
that you decide if God is on the throne. That's been decided before you were a thing. The point of this sermon is that you have done a bad job recognizing it if you sound like those scriptures down there. And if you sound like those scriptures down there, there's a way out. Because nothing if failure is permanent in Christianity, you cannot permanently fail in Christianity. Oh, you can permanently fail in the world. You can lose a job and be fired and they won't hire you back. But God is always willing to forgive you, always willing to change for you, always willing to make sure you can grow. There is no permanent failure in Christianity. So if you heard this and that sounds a little bit like you, that's okay. It sounds a little bit like me sometimes. To be truthful, and sometimes we have to go back and make sure we're recognizing who the king of kings is. And here's how you do that. When problems come, praise God first and then pray. If you've got a problem with the first point I made, discipline yourself in the way that you don't even allow yourself to get deep in your prayer until you've praised him. When I was younger, about 19 years old, I had to start praying like that because I started getting needy. I was a needy prayer. And I always had something I wanted from God, and I started to feel guilty about it. So I decided that I'm not even going to let myself get fully into prayer until I've properly praised him. So here's the first section to fix the first point. If you sound like the first point, just make sure you're praising him, and then you're praying. That'll do it. Because as you start to praise him, it will become habitual. And when it becomes habitual, you won't have any problems doing it over and over again. And that solves that issue. God is now number one in your prayer life. Then you've got to remember for point two, God is always giving. So follow that example. Give something every single day. If you wind up at the time the moon reaches the sky and you think to yourself, I have given nothing today. I haven't given my time to anyone. I haven't done anything I don't want to do or spent anything I don't want to spend. Make sure at least once a day you have made a decision that you don't necessarily like and doesn't benefit only you. So that will prevent you from getting into a phase of life where you sound like point number two and you're that kid at Christmas who gets Christmas presents and doesn't even say thank you and you don't even have a gift. You're the friend that always is asking for money, but you never return it. You're the guy who when everybody's ordering pizza and you haven't chipped in, you're the guy who asks, hey, can you put chicken wings in the mix? You don't want to be that guy spiritually. So what you do is you always make sure you have given something today anything at all do one thing a day for someone else but you that thing can be for God it could be for someone around you because the scriptures say when you give to those in need you're giving to me so when you go from this church and you pass by the overpass and there's somebody with a sign up give to them if you don't have any change just look at them acknowledge them make them know you know they're human because many homeless people complain about the fact that they don't feel like they're human and other people don't recognize that. So you may not have money to give, but you have a smile. You have eyes. You can acknowledge them. You may not have the ability to bake the cookies I talked about earlier. Some of you, if you bake me cookies, I'm just going to put them in the fridge until it's time to throw them away. So you don't have to do all these things. There's always something you can give. There's never an excuse for not giving. So make sure, again, for point two, Always follow God's example. Give, 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 give. And lastly, if you sound like point three and you come to church for entertainment, it's simple. Come to church to grow. 
Come to church to grow. Because there is nothing more entertaining in your life. Nothing will ever be more entertaining than when God provides you with something you couldn't provide yourself with. And sometimes you're going to come to church and you're going to pray and your issues may not be met. That's fine. God knows what he's doing. I prayed, just a real world example, I prayed after COVID happened, I've had a struggle getting a job because I was you know, laid off from my last job and there hasn't been anything that works properly with our schedule because my son, the youngest, Caden, is autistic and we have him on therapy sessions. And I got real upset about that recently, like just in my spirit, like, God, what can I do? Like, how do I make this work? There's all these jobs, but every time I tell them I need to be off on Tuesday and Thursday, or I need to not come in past, or, you know, before 12 so I can get my kid to his appointments. And I just feel like, like, God, what's happening? Why, what can I do? And I'm starting to feel this hurt in my heart. And I'm starting to feel a little less gratitude in God. And then we, we went to the beach yesterday. And I'm sunburned. I'm just as red as I am on this shirt underneath. And I'll tell you, God really spoke to me out there. Because had I have gotten the answered prayer that I thought I needed from God and I entertained myself with that, had I been in church for my own entertainment and I got from God what I exactly wanted, I'd have had a job and my son wouldn't have been able to go to his therapy sessions. And at the beach yesterday, my son wouldn't have been able to play by himself and talk to us about it. He has learned so much in those times. So the times that I've spent being bitter about not being able to go to work, God knew what he was doing. Because I'll tell you right now, if my son can continue elevating his ability in life to emulate and articulate his emotions, I will gladly stand here right now and tell you I'd never work again for that. So God knew what he was doing. God knows what he was doing. That's the key. That's why you come here to be edified. Because when you come here for entertainment, you miss out on stuff like that. You can go entertain yourself. I could not be here on Sunday and go find something to do. You could not drive here on Sunday and save your gas money. You could watch the Cowboys without interruption. You can even watch the pregame show where everybody talks about the athletes and above. You can do all of those things, but you miss out on what church can really, truly do for you. And that is providing you with a channel to entertain God, not yourself. And when you entertain God, life gets better. Life always gets better. Go to first, I'm sorry, go to Matthew 6, 33. I was going to say first Matthew, but there is no second. So I guess technically that wouldn't be wrong, but uh, <laughs> I didn't say second Matthew, so we're all right. But go to Matthew 6, 33. Seek First, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. That entertainment you're looking for, that prayer you're looking for, that giving you need, that receiving you need, that blessing you need, that spiritual growth you need, the spiritual milk. If you just put God where he should be in your heart, it will work out properly. And Christians, remember this. You don't decide if God is number one. He is. That was decided before you were ever born. God is the king. He sits on the throne. All your job is to do is to reflect that, acknowledge that, and try your hardest to make sure when somebody says, is God your number one? You can say, oh, he really is. 
And you don't have to ask yourself continually, is he really though? So get in your spirit today as we leave. Always make sure the answer to it, is he really though, is absolutely.